Welcome to Below the Line, where we talk about working in Hollywood from the crew perspective. My name is Skid. I'm a former assistant director and your host. If you're a new listener, let me welcome you to our Oscar series. Each episode, I'm hosting a panel of film industry pros to discuss the nominees in their category of expertise. Film editing is the third of 10 scheduled episodes, and I'm happy to once again welcome back returning guests. Christopher Angel, you're a triple threat writer, director, editor. You've been editing for over 25 years, and your credits include James Cameron's Expedition Bismarck and Gary Shandling's The Making of the Larry Sanders Show. It's also your fourth year discussing the Oscars with us. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks for having me back, Skid, and good to be here with you, Amy. Hello. Amy's up next. <laughs> Chris, you're stomping on my intro, but uh, here- that, uh, that was that was us trying to like tee it up for you, Skid. <laughs> also, returning for her second Oscar episode and fourth appearance on the podcast, Amy Duddleston, you're a film editor with 30 years in the industry, and your credits include Mayor of Easttown and Gus Van Sant's Psycho. Really glad to have you back. Thank you for having me. This is always a good time, and it forces me to watch all the movies again, so it's good. <laughs> Best homework I've got. Listeners, you can learn more about my guests on the Internet Movie Database. Below the Line has its own page, so if you start with an episode of the podcast, you can simply click through to see the film credits of my guests. Check it out. But back to the matter at hand. The five films recognized by the Academy for film editing are The Banshees of Inishirin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Tar, and Top Gun Maverick. We're going to discuss them in that order, and spoilers are possible. So consider this a warning. <laughs> spoilers are guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies in advance if I mispronounce the names of any nominees. If either Chris or Amy correct me, I can fix it in post. So if you're hearing it wrong now, the blame is shared by all three of us. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> First up for editing, Mikkel E.G. Nielsen for The Banshees of Inishirin. A movie I loved. I very much enjoyed it as well. What I mean, I, I just have to say like an overarching comment. It's like some years, you know, I've tried to look for like a theme that like unites the editing nominations. It could be thematic or it could be technical. This year is just like a pretty amazing collection of movies that are all really different, both in content and then editing style. So Banshees, weirdly enough, is the shortest movie on the list. Because I was yes, it looking, is. Yeah, I was thinking <laughs> runtimes. 114 minutes. Yeah, so like, you know, pretty quick movie, but also probably the least edits in any of our movie, right? So much longer takes, a more uh, paced movie, more about the characters. Um, it's very much a performance-driven film. Yeah. And that's what I loved about it so much. And I mean, it's it's very much how I like editing my own, you know, things that I work on. So um, everything's kind of performance-driven whenever possible so uh, this movie moved me tremendously and i really loved the way it was cut i did you just weren't thinking about it you were thinking about the lives of the people in the movie and i loved that <laughs> so. and i wonder if that's gonna hurt it in this category right so it's so funny to think about like i think as an editor like you i mean like i really appreciated the movie overall and then appreciated trying to watch it for the editing because it was it got out of the way of the characters in the story and helped it but it's just not flashy in the way that some of these other movies are from an editorial point of view. So at the end of the day, I worry, you know, even when a bunch of editors are voting on this, like it may get left behind a little bit because it, it isn't all that flashy. Like the thing that stands out to me the most is how it used landscape um, and then intercut that with the characters. So like yeah. you'd have these beautiful shots of the island and it brought the place alive for me. But 
know, that was really the most technical thing I can kind of point to um, in terms of like technique that they were editorial technique that they were using to tell the story. Yeah, it was. It was just like how solitary their existence was on this island and how solitary their lives were and how the tranquility drove them all insane. Um, <laughs> but the tone was also like handled so well by the editor. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah. You know, it, it had both this like sort of sweet um, relationship at the heart of it between the two men, but also you felt like something terrible was going to happen. And there were these not supernatural, but the, you know, the, the banshees of the title, like there was a, a character who represented that. And you felt like there was a, a crisis coming and you were sort of given warning that it was going to come, but you weren't quite sure what it was going to be and how it was all going to come together. And it's just a nice balance. It was. And I, I went into this film not really knowing what it was about. Like I had no idea. And I, I've, I've started watching movies mostly like that. I, I haven't read reviews for a while. And it was like, there was a lot of tension. Like, I didn't know like what the hell was going to happen. And I, you know, I was caught off guard by like the laughing that I was like, there was a lot of comedy and just, you know, there was a lot of tension. And so the way it was cut, I was just like, okay, what's going to happen to these people? It was good. This was my favorite film actually of all of the films this year, I have to say. I can talk about all of them, but this was like my favorite. And it's probably a good time for us just to say, like, again, what a tricky category editing is in some levels, right? We've talked about this before, but the relationship of best picture to editing is really interesting. Like it should sort of overlap, but uh, one factor is, I think, our personal feeling kind of coming out of a movie. Like, did we enjoy it? Did it work as a movie? Did it hang together? And then kind of layer on top of that editing technique that we're sort of looking for, right? So I think a movie that's going to win this category is going to do both. So it's not always one-to-one, -one, like the best picture is going to win best editing, but it really should be, the best editing movie should be in that list of the best picture. Because if the movie doesn't work, it's like something went wrong. I completely agree. And, you know, it's like Top Gun Maverick, you know what you're going to get. It's not like, it's not a mystery <laughs> what you're about to get, but it's also a sequel and, and we knew what to expect. But the ride was very much fun and we all talk about it. But uh, and Tar, I just, you know, yeah, we'll talk about all these movies. But yes, exactly. It's like. Yeah. So Banshee, you know, Banshee's worked thing for both of us. So it's, yeah. you know, then we start looking like, okay, what was effective about the editing? And in this case, it was very careful about how it built the performances and a very well-paced movie that didn't overstate its welcome, but certainly didn't rush individual cuts. So you no. really felt like the characters were in their space. Well, talk to me more about maybe some of the pitfalls that Mikkel avoided. In other words, given the nature of the film, where do you see editing stumbles that the fact that you did both enjoy it so much, you know, is a testament to his skill in avoiding trouble? Well, certainly building performance, right? That's something, again, that we, we like to talk about as editors. Like one of our jobs is to look at the takes and pick the best performance takes. But you could certainly imagine, you know, maybe the actress is so good that it didn't matter. But, you know, embarrassment of riches of yeah. like, the tricky thing, especially in a story like that, it's like you you never wanted it to get maudlin because it's like it could have gone into that place like with his sister and like his his incredible loneliness and like, you know, the donkey and the, <laughs> the you know, the pony and, the, and just all of it. It just could have gone into this like really kind of bad place and it did not go there. You were just along with all of these people. And it never veered into this like sentimental thing where you're just like, oh, God, not for one second. Yeah, you could have easily overcut this movie, I think, Skid. Like if you cut it too tight and too fast, it would have possibly gotten maudlin. The tone might have been ruined. So, you know, again, 
as an editor, like he really had a careful eye on the tone and it, it worked for me. It wasn't, it was funny at times, yeah. heartwarming at other times and heart wrenching at other times, but it was a nice balance between those things. And, you know, edit, the editor really got to choose that balance and that, and that sort of menu of feelings that we had. Yeah. And just, you know, the way, like we were talking earlier, the interstitials of like, you know, the scenery and everything, it just kind of matched the pace of how this movie was going. It's just like, okay, it's a new day. What's going to happen? Not much, <laughs> except. But everything, yeah. But everything. <laughs> well, let's not tease too far ahead because before we get to everything. <laughs> everything. <laughs> we've got one more film alphabetically. Let's jump to Matt Villa and Jonathan Redmond's nomination for Elvis. Well, it had been a while since I'd taken in a Baz Luhrmann spectacular like that was kind of like on the scale. It was kind of fun at first. Sadly, this movie was way too long. And I it being told from the point of view of the Colonel, like ruined it. It just ruined it for me. I didn't need that voiceover of Tom Hanks with the bad Dutch accent. I'm sorry. I could watch that kid be Elvis all day long, but why, why, why were these choices made? I could have been swept up in this spectacle of the Baz Luhrmann thing and gone, yeah. And I just, best editing, I just don't know. I just, there were some weird choices made. I was hoping that we could have a debate about this one, but unfortunately I agree with you hundred percent. I mean, to me, I just described it as like bombastic bombardment. Yeah. Like it just didn't stop. I mean, it was, the music was amazing. You know, the, oh my obviously God. yeah, music was so good. I was, Great things. And I just, yeah. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Moulin Rouge. So it's just like seeing like the spectacle of like, you're like, oh, Baz Luhrmann, you're a special filmmaker. You know, you definitely have my heart, but it's like, it just didn't add up to anything. No, it for me. added it was, up to nothing. Yeah. Zero, sadly. Great technique during those music sequences. Like it, to me, like great the music, editing. yeah, like great editing technically during those music sequences, particularly. I mean, it's just so, so fun, so energetic. And I loved all of those moments, but it just, like you said, it added up to nothing. And like, I had this problem with the Fablemans too, which is not nominated for best editing, but it was like, this thing happened and this thing happened and this thing happened and this thing happened. And oh, this, you know, this family thing, blah, blah, blah. This thing happened. Like it just, <laughs> yeah, it's so episodic. I mean, it's, it's yeah. trying to tackle so much of Elvis's life that it just it just felt episodic to me. And I was just like, again, oh, OK, I'm in this phase of his life, this music. And now we're in the next phase of the music. And again, I enjoyed the individual sequences. I was like, Wait, how did we get to this place? Like what there must be? Why? You know, why? And it's like it's the longest of all the movies here. So it's like 160 minutes, 160 minutes. <laughs> And that's a cut down, I think, from their first yeah, cut right? the early cuts. So, <laughs> yeah, it just it needed to be reined in somehow. And that's Norman is not going to be the person to rein anything in. But it's like, yeah, again, like, what you know, what are you making? I don't know. Yeah, unfortunately with you. I had a debate with a friend who saw it and really enjoyed it and said, like, oh, you just need to know more about Elvis. And it has this perspective on Elvis's life. But I'm like, well, it didn't speak to me that way. So I can't just can't give it that you know feather, unfortunately. I'm American. I know about Elvis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't have to. It's like we all know something about Elvis. <laughs> Elvis has an interesting number of nominations in the technical categories, and I'm kind of curious if you think there's just sort of this wave behind it, or did the sound carry the editing, or do you think the editing's going to pull down the sound when they compete in that category? Because these things obviously work very closely together for a film like this. 
they do just the music and the sound, but I just don't know. I mean, I can see why it was nominated because of the music video, right? I can totally see why. I mean, there's a lot of like flashy editing going on, like the the multi-partite, like the, the different bars and the windows, the picture in picture. Like there's a lot going on. There's a lot of split screens and that's a mm-hmm. lot of planning and and a lot of, it's, it's somebody who's, you know, always asked, hey, can you do like split screens? And I was like, hey, can you shoot them? Like, you know, plan them. Properly, yeah. <laughs> So that's a lot of work. Like that's, I mean, I saw that and I was like, oh my God, (laughs) you know, it's a lot. But yeah, so to answer your question, I feel like, I feel like it's the music kind of driving the movie in a sense. And they're lucky, I think, to use that music and do a good job with it. But no, exactly. That to me is kind of what's happening. Yeah. I mean, it looks beautiful, right? There's a rich world there as well. Yeah. Amazing, you know, Catherine Martin. And it's just like, you know, their partnership it's great. And it's just like everything that it should have been the way Elvis's life was just kind of like, wow, you know. Well, I'm very interested to hear you compare the editing style on this film with our third nominee. That's Paul Rogers for everything, everywhere, all at once. You know, it's like, where do you even start with this film? I mean, it's, it's a family drama in a metaverse, (laughs) you know, I liked this movie. I didn't love this movie. I was swept up in some, like there were parts of it that I did actually really, I I loved. Like, I just wish they'd been kind of squished together more. Yeah, it kind of went off in like so many other universes that I wasn't sure that it needed to. But like, for me, this movie kind of would have been nothing without those performances by all of those actors. And I mean, I, I like, like the Daniels, like they had a vision and I, I really appreciated that. And I think, you know, the movie was really well done and put together. But Michelle Yeoh, like, will carry the day. Like, I just, I really loved watching her. What do you think? What? Come on, I want to hear somebody else. Yeah, so <laughs> it's a really interesting thing. I mean, I, I have two feelings about it. I'm not sure it's my favorite movie of them all, but I, I really enjoyed it. And I thought it, it worked, right, as a movie. And it kind of came together. And I, I mean, to me, I actually would really uh, vote for this as like the best editing film of the year. So if I had a vote, this is one I would choose out of the five that are nominated, just because I think it is such a fantastic coming together of different things. And each one is done so well. And I do feel like it kind of hung together. And I think that's, that's the debate about this movie is like, did these different parts work together? But you've got a drama, you've got comedy, you've got science fiction, you've got a parody, and then you've got these amazing action sequences. And so like, as I'm looking at it, at the editing style, like there's something for everybody there. You're absolutely right. And when I think about it, it's like, no, it's truly, and they brought every one of those styles together, Paul Rogers. It is a tremendous work. Yeah. How, how do you get all those styles in one movie that, and like make it work from a lot of people you know that it's just asking a lot of the editor the daniels like they have a vision you know and i really appreciate that there is nothing like it yeah like from like all of the movies that are nominated and that's amazing too i mean i liked this movie but i wish i loved it i don't know yeah i know that when it came out last year it was just like a lot of a lot of people you know maybe we needed this movie <laughs> that was what my wife said she's I think we needed that movie when it came out. And I was like, you're kind of right. We were just kind of like tired of being cooped up and take me to the multiverse. Yeah. <laughs> you know? 
But again, I mean, like the way that the multiverse was intercut was just so, so well done and so clever. It was insane. Right. It really was insane. You're probably, you're right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I had to, I, I watched it a long time ago, right? <laughs> like yeah. I just watched it again. Like I finished it this morning and, and <laughs> yeah. I was like, so it's very fresh in my mind because I did, I, it was like last summer. So that I was like, oh God, did I, did I like this? Movie? And then I'm like, yeah, I like this, movie. but you're right. It's just, I mean, I just feel like the editing could have messed it up. So oh my God. Then, it could have just been like a, an action movie and it was not just that. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just, I remember too, like just, you know, so much use of close up. So like you're doing the science fiction movie and it was a real lesson to me. It was like, wow, so much of it took place in these like very close shots, head and shoulders. And of course, because it's about the relationships of the characters and the drama of, you know, this husband and wife and the kid. And then it would open up and into these fight sequences, but they were really well done and edited as well. I wasn't confused about what was going on and super fun. Like, and there was definitely like sort of winking at the audience of you know, like, oh, this is Matrixy or this is 2001 Space Odyssey. Like just all that. All of the homage. Yeah, I know. everything, everything right. shoved in there, but. um, In, in the IRS office. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And just, you know, I, things that I wouldn't, I think be worried I'd be confused about, like intercutting from, them in an office to them in a car, like she's a chef or she's a singer, like all this stuff, like it hung together and I knew what was going on and I could track it visually. So again, just carefully planned and then obviously carefully edited and executed. So technically just beautifully done and not too long. I mean, it was long, it was long, but it but, did the whole thing together. Yeah. To your point, Amy, when I first saw it, it was early last year and I saw it in the theater it held as my favorite movie of the year, but I haven't revisited it. And so I appreciate you guys looking more into the specifics of it. That's a, a new insight on it, but it's my favorite movie probably of all the movies last year. And then I forgot I was watching a movie, which is a rare occurrence. I know. Yeah. It is That's kind a good of, point. You do get kind of sucked into like this whole place. The acting definitely elevated a lot of it for me. And I feel like the editing elevated it. So that's, yeah, well, that's see, there you, there you go. Yeah. That's so that's so good. So yay. <laughs> to its credit now, <laughs> now i think our next film reminds me talking about banshees again and that's monica willie's nomination for tar mm. everybody has an opinion about tar yeah especially me and me <laughs> when i first watched this movie i hated it i mean i kind oh. of hated it and then i kind of thought about it some more and then i couldn't stop thinking about it and i had to watch it again so I don't know. I mean, it was too long. It was kind of pretentious. Oh, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, this is like that. Debate, I mean, debate. Yeah, debate. This is what, you know, we're like too agreeable. No, and I'd like, there were parts that I, like I, Todd Field, like the, the filmmaking was immaculate. It was like, yeah. you know, like truly. Everything about it was immaculate, maybe too immaculate. I don't know if that was what bothered me. Like it just could have been like a little less immaculate. It was, you know, like the story, like you don't get many movies that take place in the classical music world. So that was like really interesting. Just the machinations of like recording something and like, you know, that was super interesting. But like, there was so much that was just like not interesting, but I don't know. Christopher, I want to hear what you think. I mean, I loved I loved the world. I loved her performance. 
And I it just it left me asking a lot of questions. Like, I think I agree with you. It was like a little too long in places and probably could have used a little pulling up just to keep the story going towards the middle. But yeah. just, you know, at the beginning, I was just surprised. It, it did some stuff that I think as a filmmaker, I think about like wanting to try to do and not, you know, having the opportunity or the guts to pull it off. But like that opening interview sequence just goes on and on. And she's saying some pretty complicated stuff, but like it felt real to me. Like it wasn't, you know, it was. It was an incredible scene. Yeah. Like who does that? You know? And I guess, you know, and, and like, you know, again, like sort of the debate that I, you know, had with myself and then found myself having with friends of like, you know, what, what happened? What did it mean? Like, was it real? Was it in her head? How much of it was in her head? Like that sort of like balance between subjectivity and objectivity is really interesting again as a filmmaker. And I feel like the editing specifically really helped that. No, I know with like, is it a dream? Is this her dream? Is this like, what's the metronome? Why is this thing happening? Like- She was clearly going crazy. I I, I couldn't like stop thinking about it. Exactly. And it had interesting questions that came back to the theme. So it's like, it all kind of like worked. And, and you know, I have a, a background as a horror filmmaker and I couldn't also like, not help feel that like at a certain point it kind of became like a horror film yeah. right it, she descended into that weird basement yeah. with the, like yapping dog coming after her it was you're just like where are we going yeah it's so strange but in like the best traditional horror films like it is it's a psychological horror film like she's clearly yeah. highly stressed and going a little crazy and then the debate is like well how how crazy is she you know is she completely imagining all this is she somebody else and imagining like some alternate life that she wants or is it just that this is her life and like there's little things off in the corners? And just the fact that you can ask that question, but it still kind of hangs together is really interesting to me. And, and again, a testament, obviously, to the writing, directing, but also to the editing to kind of like have the restraint to let that just be. No, it's true. Like everything's kind of a mystery. It's like, oh, Linda Tarr. Um, like, like that whole thing when that started happening like where she goes back to staten island and you're just like wait what is happening and that really makes you start to question like everything i think it's also interesting to compare this one to elvis because they're both about music but like obviously different genres but you know both like the role of music in them was differently handled and i guess there's things they didn't tar but like sort of using the music as a theme and like kind of a rhythm for her life and kind of psychologically into her head that I wasn't getting out of Elvis. Like the Elvis music was just like these big performances that existed externally. With her, the music was like so tied into her character in a really clever way of like, you know, this is her identity. And it was about control and like trying to get all these people to play this music together. And like she would manipulate them all. And, you know, was she losing it? It just, it dealt with music on a different level and obviously different kind of music, but it was great. It was very interesting. Yeah. And then I was like, I'm going to listen to Bach. Right, um, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to go listen to Mahler. Everybody's got, um, yeah, Mahler's five. is like everywhere this year. I saw the film in the theater and I enjoyed it. Some of the people that I was with, echoing what you said, Amy, thought it was overlong and, and maybe not as interesting. But one of the things that I went into it was thinking about Todd Field and his approach to movies before I sat down. And I was very much reminded of In the Bedroom in the sense that a lot mm-hmm. of dramatic stuff happens off camera. And I was thinking about talking to you guys about it. First of all, if you would compare it to that other film and what that says about Todd Field's style and that sort of decision, how much the editor is a part of dropping out those things or pulling it together in a way that, again, major events are not covered on the camera and just sort of you move with the aftermath, which I think can be unsettling if you're not expecting that in the film. Yeah, I mean, my, you know, I think that's a good 
uh, comparison skid. And I think given that we know it's Todd Field and sort of, you know, have interviews with him and can compare it to In the Bedroom, I think a lot of that stuff, I'm just, I was sort of credited to the script and the director. He wrote it. So yeah. They- Wasn't In the Bedroom from a novel? So I don't know. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's like, he's a really great filmmaker. Oh, and I'm glad he's back. And I look forward to like the next thing. You mean in 15 years when he does another? 15 years, <laughs> and that's fine. Like, go ahead. <laughs> right. Whatever it takes, because it's it super takes. interesting. Yeah, it's working. Like, no matter what you can say about this movie, like, it, it makes you think. It's interesting. Truly. Like, everybody had an opinion about it. Just yeah. like, you know, it's why I watched it. And I was. And like, he kept oh. just enough off screen. I felt that it, it, it's sort of what allowed the audience to bring different things to it and have these debates. Right. So it's not not everything is tied up in a nice little bow. No, not not even. It's like yeah. everything like you have really re, you really had to use your brain and kind of like, wait, you know, it, it was pretty yeah. good. Yeah. I'm trying to make sure that's emotionally, you know, um, it has an emotional payoff is hard. Like, it is. Emotion, yeah. Daniels did it. <laughs> right. <laughs> they did. It had a payoff for sure. Yeah. You're like, oh, but, you know. I mean, try not to give away the ending here, but there, there is a weird, like there's a weird tonal thing that kind of happens to me at the very end of the movie that I still was I'm not sure about, but it just, it just moved to a different space and world. Literally. Yeah. And then one level you could say like, oh, that's her comeuppance and like she sort of deserves it. Another level, I'm like, is this real? Is this, is this really fitting in with the rest of the movie? Is it supposed to feel real? I don't know. It was, it was kind of like a very sudden, strange transition. I think Skid's, like there was just a lot of stuff ellipsed towards the end of the movie. We're like, what is going on? What's happening? Is she really doing what we see her doing? And how did she get there? So, yeah, it was interesting because again, it brought up this question of like subjectivity, like what's what's real, what isn't. But it's really interesting because my seventeen-year-old kid who saw it was like, and kind of took it like literally, like at face value, and was like, well, I need to see what happens next. Like, like wanted more. Like wanted mm. to see what happened after that happened. And I was like, very interesting. You know, that's one. That's a that's a take you can do that yeah it, it works on that level <laughs> so you could have just kept going yeah so if that was the movie that you know we were being presented i was like that's not the movie i watched but interesting <laughs> listeners very much in a spoiler territory but there are a couple of bridge scenes that i want to think about from an editing perspective and that is she walks into the room where they're talking about what's going to happen with her. Then she's waiting to go out on stage. Then she goes out on stage in a very dramatic fashion. And just how that came together from an editing perspective. And I think that leads then more into the world, Chris, that you're talking about where things are a little more unsure. Thoughts on that specific sequence and how those scenes went together? Well, the one, the performance, like before she was supposed to go out on stage, I mean, that was like super tricky. And I loved that. That was just like, ha ha, fooled you. It's really weird. It's it's very unusually handled. I mean, she's, for what I remember, she's standing next to a two shot to one of the musicians who does not seem to acknowledge her. No. And yeah, she's getting ready. And you're like, okay, maybe she's getting ready. But like, why are they already playing if she's getting ready? And so just, I just started to like really question, this doesn't make any sense to me. And it's kind of weirdly confusing, but I think that was the point. Like you're kind of thrown off reality. And then she does this violent act that's kind of out of character, but makes sense yeah. as well because of what she's been through. So yeah, kind of a crazy sequence. And and it, the way it's edited, I'm just not sure if it's real or if it's subjective. It's just imagined. 
you know, ironically, there's this huge online debate about whether this is real or imagined in whole. And that's uh, Eddie <laughs> Hamilton's Eddie Hamilton's nomination for Top Gun Maverick. Uh, I don't oh, think that debate necessarily weighs in on the editing, although maybe you guys think there's some clues there that we can revisit. But talk to me about Top Gun Maverick. Wow. It's I mean, technically, it's just beautifully done. Like, I, I have to tip my hat. Truly. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, wow. It's just it's just clearly like so much careful work, so much work. And it just, it, it works. Like it, it plays really nicely. You know what you're going to see and they delivered. And I feel like the editor really delivered. Um, you know, those, those airplane sequences are just so much fun to be in and be watching. And you, you feel like you're in there flying the plane with Tom Cruise and it's fun. It's a popcorn film, sort of old fashioned, straight ahead, fun ride. So, I mean, I can I see why it's nominated um, I think because it doesn't get to go to some of these other subjective places, like it's not my top choice, but I could totally see why, because it just technically is beautifully done. It reminds me of that Formula One racing one a few years back. Like it's that, it fits in that category of like Ford versus Ferrari. That's yeah. right. Thank you. Yeah. No, it does so, fit into that category. And those guys won. Right. Exactly. But they weren't up against everything everywhere all at once. True. But yeah, it did. It had exactly, it had that feeling of that movie. Um, it was, it was like, that's entertainment. That was it. This is like, you know, we knew what we were going to see and it delivered on every single level, eighties nostalgia, like all of it, it was there and it was a lot of fun. And yeah, it was just like those, those, the visuals, like the fact that they shot those on there, like they didn't do anything processed was amazing. It's, it's great. You know. It must have just been such a job to, yeah, to edit that. Incredible filmmaking. Yeah. And for that, wow. Exactly. It was It was so much fun. And to see it in IMAX was like... Mm. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of like there are other movies. Yeah. He did a tremendous job. I really, you know, and I did enjoy it. Same here. Yeah. Tip my hat to him and... <laughs> I can't wait to see what he edits next and just yeah. Oh, really, of course. Really you know, happen. but this filmmaker, I I'm, you know, I'm I hope he does something. It's just to, to do everything so practically, I was really I love that. I do, because there's just so much like shiny green screen stuff. Yeah, it's a funny year to actually talk about that because the, another movie that was not nominated is Avatar, right? Which is like the biggest grossing movie of the year. And in a sense, the opposite. Um, in terms of technique, because everything was pre-visualized, pre-planned, you know, CGI by the nature of it, it's on another planet, but very different process towards like a same goal, right? Both kind of popcorn movies that take you on a ride with a lot of action sequences, but completely different processes about how they come about. Yeah. And I can see why, you know, as much like the Avatar sequences are also really well done, obviously, technically it's beautiful, but I can see why it's not nominated because it's, it's, kind of a little too long well it's too long and it's just i mean everything's it's so planned. <laughs> yeah. it's so planned i mean those guys worked for so long on that movie and it's just you know it was just everything was so planned like their previs and like everything it's just it's it's a lot and because it has to be because it's just like the the amount of work that goes into making something like that nothing can be squandered in terms of you know time and everything so yeah it's also expensive just a totally different process with maverick you know 
just it finding it, it more like a documentary in a sense of like really working through so much footage I'm sure that he had of the actual airplanes and just picking the right moments and building performance and building action and building sequences through that. Well, this is one we talked about last week when the guys were on on visual effects and Top Gun is nominated that area as well. And so I'm curious to hear a little bit about the relationship between editing and visual effects on a film like this. Now, a lot of the narrative around Top Gun was about the practical, and that's still true. But then they came in late with sort of pushing the the amount of visual effects work to just bring it all together. Talk to me from an editing perspective about your relationship with people who are doing that part of the work. You rely on them tremendously. It's like just for every little thing. What they did was like so much of like glue of just like tiny pieces of this to put that to this to that. You know, it's a lot of, it's a lot to make all of that stuff hold together. And practically it, it probably held together just fine. But I mean, the stuff that they added, I, you know, exterior plane, this, that. <laughs> it's like, right. afterburners, that's explosions. Like, you know, afterburners exploding. Yeah. I mean, it's a really iterative process, right? So like there is, stuff that has to be shot during production that has to be pre-visualized or pre-thought of. And then there's what the editor does and leaves these kind of, you know, templates or blanks, or they use the pre-visualization sometimes in the sequence. But it's really like, you know, is this is the effects being used by the editor in a way to tell the story in, in a way that makes sense? Or is the effect kind of driving the story and you're kind of, you're stuck with it? I think in Maverick, it feels organic to the story they're telling, right? I mean... I don't know where it's going to go, but he builds the sequence in such a way that there's the human aspect, there's the planes, and then there's the sort of big effects things that happen. But nothing feels out of place. It's all balanced. Very no, it all it all felt like it all belonged together, and that was that's a lot of work. You know, it's a lot of work as somebody you know who likes to work on things that are very practical. <laughs> And then you're like relying on these people to like, can you help this make, just make it look a little bit like, you know, we shot the wing of the plane and it's moving. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, yeah, it's just a lot of work. Well, this is an interesting slate of films this year. I'd be curious to see which way it's going to go. Yeah, it was an interesting year, definitely for films. Yeah, as I said at the beginning, it's a super eclectic bunch of films, like, so it really kind of could go almost anywhere. I mean, I feel strongly that everything everywhere all at once should be would be my choice, but wouldn't surprise me if there's a, if there's a surprise in this category. Um, another film I wanted to sort of give a shout out to though that's not on this list, and I watched and was really shocked and surprised was this movie After Sun, which is a very very small movie, but just I felt like they took so many um, chances from a storytelling point of view, and particularly in the editing. So it's you know it's about a a dad and a daughter kind of away on a vacation and you just feel that like something horrible is going to happen. And, you know, I, I don't know how they exactly do it. It's not like they say like, Oh, something's horrible going to happen. You just feel that something bad is going to happen and you don't know what it is. It, it seems like it could be one of like four or five things. We'll try not to spoil the movie, but. Um, yeah, you can't spoil the films that we do shout outs for because we didn't read them yeah. at the beginning. So exactly. So I'm not going to spoil it. <laughs> and but... I haven't seen after Sun yet. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> Check it out. It's like I said, it doesn't seem to follow some of the rules of drama. And yet I feel like the editing made it work in such a great way that it had drama. And just so again, as a filmmaker and an editor, like just so exciting to see that and see what they did and that it sort of, it worked in some level. Not a big movie, but really interesting one. 
Yeah, I haven't watched it yet. My wife saw it and she she liked it a lot. My favorite movie of the year was probably one from last year, but it was Petit Maman, the Celine Sciamma movie that was 89 minutes long. (laughs) 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 And it was such a beautiful film. I was... I was literally moved to tears, like, and just almost like ugly crying. It was about grief and about, you know, your childhood. And it was a tremendously beautiful movie that I cannot recommend highly enough. So that, that was like my favorite, you know, just emotionally. And um, I mean, and it was told very simply in a very short amount of time. It's just one of those films I can't stop thinking about, but you know. Now, and is that a film that was eligible for this year's Oscars, Amy, or it did it get its release this year? I'm not, I don't know. I think it was last year's movie that got released in America this year. So I, yeah, it, it kind of fell between the cracks of like what was eligible and cause they have, there's some very strict rules about like when something's eligible. So yeah, I think it kind of fell out of when it was eligible here. So Yeah. I want to see that. I have not seen it. So thank you for that recommendation. I also felt like this year was like kind of the year of the satire, right? We're in this like moment that feels like a, a satire works so well. So like Glass Onion and the Menu. Right. Both watched, you know, not both perfect, but like well put together. The tone of both of them was very clever. Like yeah. really good at skewering and satirizing their intended targets. So Again, I sort of want to tip my hat to the editors of both of those for finding that tone and, and sort of being true to it. It's not easy. It was not, I mean, Glass Onion, like the beginning, I was like, Bleh. like, I, I hated all of those people so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, like, once it kicks in, you're like, yeah. It's like, give me a reason to keep watching this movie because these people are awful. And the reason, the you know, Janelle Monae saved the day. But when the two of them started, yeah, that yeah, was really awesome. In. Right. Was like, that was when it kicked in, and I was like, "Okay, I'm still here." But and it, and it paid off because like all those awful people are the murder suspects, right? So yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, boof, that took me a little while to like. I was like, "This is not like the last one." Um, <laughs> I mean, I hated all of those people too, but like anyway, the satire of all of that was a lot. Like the Elon Muskish character. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you're just like, oh my god, do I need this right now? <laughs> But as you're pointing out, Chris, there's a challenge to maintaining that balance and in, in from the editing perspective. Yeah, by and large, kind of like they, you know, knew what they wanted to be and knew what their target was and kind of kept out of without being too, too over the top. But Glass Onion, you know, probably benefited a little bit from some of this like Elon Musk craziness that came after they made it. But it's true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it had it had a sense of truthfulness to it, especially after the halfway point. You know, I feel like it kind of clicked in a little better. And same with the menu. I mean, it's a little over the top. I haven't yeah. seen that yet. I want to see it. Yeah. I mean, I've done a lot of work in food TV. So like, I just sort of enjoy the skewering of like the sort of haute cuisine world. And they did a good job with it. You know, it's not perfect, but again, they're like very carefully setting stuff up, setting the characters up so that we don't like them all, but it's okay. Cause we kind of want to see them get their comeuppance and that's part of the fun of it. And I feel like the menu was more than I thought it was going to be going in. There is a certain level that you're expecting. And then there are some surprises that made it for an enjoyable film. I also like the menu. Overlooked on some level this year. Yeah. Well, not overlooked this year. You guys, always a pleasure talking about these films with you. Uh, We're going to call it a wrap. So much fun. Thanks again to both of you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having us. 
I love this. I love this conversation. Yeah. Thank you. It's always a good time, Skid. We'll put a pin in it for next year. Until then, listeners, I always appreciate your feedback. You'll find my contact info at our website, below the line, one word, dot biz. That's B-I-Z. Even if you're not enjoying the Oscar episodes, I hope you'll subscribe to the podcast. The Oscar series will end, and then we'll return to our regular format, which is shorter and more focused. You can check out past episodes of the website if you're curious. Thanks to Curtis Five for our music and John Juan for our logo. The logo is available on t-shirts, mugs, and stickers at redbubble.com. To all of our listeners, I appreciate you. Please rate us wherever you get your podcasts and tell your friends. Thanks again from Below the Line. For listeners, you know where Catherine Martin is his wife and the production designer. Um, of uh, Is she the costume designer as well? Is that, or no on, on that one? I don't know. No, I think that's somebody else. Okay, yeah. well, not to steal credit for anybody else. I'll fix that in post. <laughs> <laughs> you could be right though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> There'll be a check and edit the power of editing. <laughs>